Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. We have never really had emphasis on the school leader uh, per se, as far as how, how well are you doing and literally answer that from the heart. The mental stress, the stress, the level of what principals are facing in the last two and a half years with the onslaught of uh, the pandemic and all the rapid changes. And now we have the political football. We have to juggle so many balls and just keep your mouth closed. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 107. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with a longtime friend and a great colleague, Dr. Elvis Epps. Elvis is a retired high school principal from Palm Beach, Florida. He's also the author of a new book, New Principal, No Problem, How to Lead a Winning Culture Without Losing Your Mind. Dr. Epps has been featured on Oprah's XM radio network, where he discussed topics such as bully prevention and maintaining a happy home. He's also a certified John Maxwell trainer, coach, and speaker. He holds state certification in school leadership and administration and is a proud military veteran of the U.S. Navy. Elvis, so glad to have you on the show today. The honor and privilege is mine. Thank you for having me here. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. So, you know, it's so interesting because we're having this conversation. As I mentioned, you you recently retired. Yes, unfortunately, sir. Unfortunately, many people... Uh, have recently retired, or at least when I say retired, they've left. They've left the field of education, and so I, I often feel like education is is, is suffering a bit. And uh, I'd like to shine some of the positive light on it as well. And so my first question to you is: What got you into the field in the first place? And what well, specifically drew you into school leadership? A matter of fact, I, I really love being around children. And I saw one day I was in my classroom, and and it was just eye opening that the students. They were acting up, you know, the misbehaviors. They were just like angels, great kids in my classroom. And when they went to the bell ringing to go to the next classroom, you know, they they were just misbehaving, just no respect for the teacher. And I'm saying, why guys, you know, well, you know, you know, you you demand that respect from us. And I said, no, no, you have to give that because but realizing a lot of kids grow up in 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 uh, in homes and communities where it's very little structure. And so it tapped my brain, say, you know, if I can do it in my classroom, why can't I do this on a school-wide uh, basis here to try to just get all of our students moving in the right direction and support the teachers? And so, and that's what happened. And a principal uh, asked me the question, would I, you know, think about leaving the classroom to be an administrative dean? And I'm like, well, what do they do? And what is that? And after we spoke, I said, I'll get back with you. And the next day I said, I'll take it. And it was at an elementary school because my goal was by the time I got students in high school, they'd already had a decade of just improper, unstructured lifestyle. So, but it's been great, but it was a wonderful thing that tapped me on the shoulders. And it wasn't my first bout with leadership. You know, I was a leader in the military, the U.S. Navy, as a non-commissioned officer, as an E6. So I had people under me, but I didn't have teenagers. But um, it, so it all turned out to be a wonderful journey. I'm glad I took it. So let me let me ask you one follow-up question to what you just shared, specifically with regards to that day gap between the offer and the acceptance of yes. that leadership position. What criteria, because I've written a book, Becoming the New Boss, and it's designed for new leaders who are 
transitioning either into leadership for the first time, which would be an example for you, sort of, at least in school education, school right. leadership, I should say, um, or for people who are transitioning within leadership, you know, position to position, that kind of thing. And one of the questions that I think is very relevant for anyone who is a, an aspiring leader or perhaps in that general space that I was describing before is what criteria do you use to determine whether it's a good fit for you? A good fit in terms of your skill set, a good fit in terms of, let's say, the culture, the probability of success. What it may be going too far back, and maybe you didn't necessarily have a formulation on that, and that's okay. Well, I did. But I at least, well, I'd love to hear either about that if you remember, or minimally moving forward, how would you advise? Yeah, I do remember. Um, there were two things the impact on my uh, teachability skills, because I'm leaving the classroom, which I love being with the students and uh, transition, transitioning to an administrative role. Now, I love kids. I was in education to guide me with students. And so the biggest things I had to consider um, with my new roles pulled me farther away from the kids, the students, because now I went into an instructional support where now I'm supporting teachers more so than students. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is I was a master at my level and starting a new position. <laughs> it took me from master level back to novice where I'm learning a new craft and a new skill. And you'll yeah. find out a lot of leaders, you know, they go from being the person, uh, the man or the woman, your go-to person to now you're just a, a rookie person all over again where you have to learn the craft of leadership and your role. And so, and, and sometimes it requires longer hours uh, and, and sometimes the reward and the benefits, you don't see immediately and some you do, but the other ones, when you're looking at a school-wide systemic process, it could take some time. So that was the biggest thing I had to look at. How much time would this take away from the students, which I love. And matter of fact, one of the, one of the conditions uh, to leaving a classroom, I did insist that I uh, taught uh, two classes of reading, this elementary reading. And so they allowed me to do, uh, what's it? No, it was one 90 minute class. It was one long 90 minute class first thing in the morning and the administrators, they handle discipline and parent meetings. So after that class, I was able to put my hat on as administrative dean and start doing the school-wide initiatives and things. So that was a tough one. That was the tough one. And then also from assistant principal to principal, I knew the hours would be longer. I knew the task would be uh, uh, heavier to lift. And I knew for a fact, it's a lonely job when you are the person, you are the CEO, you are the boss, you is you. And uh, I was willing to take on that because financially I, I was looking forward to the added money, you know, that brings with it, but not the, the headache that came with, but can't, can't only have one without the other. So the transition yeah. requires some talk, some prayer, uh, some reflection and, uh, and just big picture, like tell me exactly. And so, uh, but it's what I made it. I, I end up putting in more time because I just love what I do. I'm a high octane person. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you sort of touched on the pros and cons, and that's an important consideration for any, any decision, certainly a career altering decision, like pursuing a promotion. And a lot of times people do take it like you were very open and honest about the financial piece. You know, a lot of people will take that next step because they see the financial benefit. Of course, typically people are rewarded for promotions, um, but they often come, there's a reason you get paid more, right? There's more responsibility, often more time, uh, certainly a lot of ego massaging and 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 yeah. relationship building like you could be 
the king of the castle in a classroom. Obviously, you want to engage with and relate and connect with your students, but it's a relatively easy process for many, many people. Then all of a sudden, you got to deal with adults. Oh, yeah. yeah. Teachers people first, often, people, parents. People often ask me, what's the challenge, most challenging? I said, it's not the students. It's getting teachers to honor the contract they sign and getting adults to do what they you know, are expected yeah. to do on a daily basis. Right, right. It is difficult. And oftentimes we feel apologetic because teachers aren't paid so well, as you alluded to before. And so, like, for example, yesterday being Election Day, I delivered two separate trainings for um, for teachers. One of them was on critical thinking skills. Another one was on classroom management. And people are you know, forced, so to speak, to come, although they they're not teaching that day. So it's really an exchange. But at the same time, you want teachers to grow, right? You want teachers to Absolutely. incorporate. You want them to take the next step. And at the same time, it's difficult sometimes to motivate that change because of many of the challenges that teachers face on a day-to-day basis. So I want to segue into a new question, which yes. is from your perspective. Let's leave teachers alone. That's a, that's a conversation in and of itself, but school leaders, because yes, so sir. many of them are struggling. I've run mastermind groups for school leaders. I've, I've, I've listened to, you know, the horror stories or the challenges people are facing. Many of them just can't find quality teachers, which of course is the biggest challenge. If you can't fill your classroom with qualified instruction, so much of the rest of what you want to accomplish can't happen properly. But what do you think is the biggest challenge that school leaders are facing today? And uh, what solutions could you offer? There are some, there are some recommendations. The biggest, um, problem that a lot of school leaders are facing is one they've never really brought to the forefront because we lack the vulnerability of just leadership, and that is the mental health piece. Uh, we often talk about the whole student or the whole teacher and taking care of them and taking care of them, and we have never really had emphasis on the school leader uh, per se as far as how, how well are you doing and literally answer that from the heart. The mental stress, the stress, the level of what principals are facing in the last two and a half years with the onslaught of uh, the pandemic and all the rapid changes. And now we have the political football. We have to juggle so many balls and just keep your mouth closed. And you can feel free to speak boldly. And I did. And there were some things, you know, I just had to put my foot down and say, if we're going to do more, what are you taking off my plate? Because to be the guy, you know, at the at the carnival who's spinning all the plates on the stick. You got the sticks and the plate at the top and they kept adding more. Or even if you're juggling, I'm very good at the three, but now all of a sudden you want six and oh, by the way, we're going to throw another ball in here. And it's not a light tennis ball. Uh, it's going to have the weight of a, a cannonball. We want you to juggle that as easily and smoothly as you uh, as you juggle the other balls. And so a lot of our principals, school leaders are feeling the crunch and the, and the, and the demands, not only the demands to work longer hours, but to do more and do it quickly and more effectively. And so now we've been evaluated and judged and measured on graduation. You have no control on whether or not a kid comes to school, you do your best to get them there. And so, but the stress and then with the parent, especially in certain states where governors have voted, where parents have the right to tell school leaders and parents what to teach and what to do. And you're like, okay, well, how do I get around this? And if anything offends a kid or a parent, now in certain states, they have the option to sue the educator, which is very difficult. So we looked at student improvement. We had intense focus on student achievement. We talked about teacher growth and development plans. 
we look at community engagement, parent community and parent engagement and involvement. And then that fourth piece is looking at the mental health, the social and emotional piece that school leaders have to take into account. We cannot pour from an empty cup. And when I say that, a lot of leaders do not, they don't know how to release that. And so what I do, I have a breaking point, almost like in baseball, you have a warning track, you have the grass, the warning track before you, there's a wall. And so we have to uh, implement and instill in our own leadership journey. You have to know when you're leaving the grassy area and there's a warning track, not a thin track, but a wide track where you said, okay, I need to start calming down. I need to take some things off. And what I did, I started delegating more opportunities, what's urgent, what's important, what's not urgent, what's not important. And there are some things, emails and calls that I will receive that I don't even need to deal with. I can pass those off to my secretary or teacher leader. I can pass them off to my APs and say, talk to this person. And I don't, I don't do that. A lot of principals don't know how to handle that. They don't know how to release that gradual release model of leadership where they're allowing others to build in capacity, allowing others to say, you know what? Uh, I need you to take this on. And then I told my APs, my assistant principals, for those of you not familiar with APs, that I am stressed and I'm tired and I'm wearing down that I really need to, I need them to do more. And they stepped up and they stepped up and they helped me out tremendously. So I'm, I was able to function. So there are some stressors out there and, but we really have to take care of ourselves. We have to sleep well. We wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep because our brain is always going, going, going. We have to eat better. We do not eat well when we're at school. I don't know about you, doc, but you know, as principal, you know, when kids are having lunch, what are we doing? We had lunch duty. And so when kids have bre uh, breakfast, what are we? We had breakfast morning duty. So in between, you know, they from breakfast to lunch to dismissal, they sitting in the classroom. We're, we're in the classroom walking around. So we have to eat better. We have to sleep better, but definitely to develop a very positive outlook and, and a positive mindset that you can make this thing. And a lot of them are leaving because they just, they don't, they, they never implemented those strategies with the intentions of getting better. They just gave themselves. So a lot of, yeah, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I, I wanted to segue into something that was actually my next question, but I think yes, it's, sir. I think it actually ties in beautifully to the point you were making. Um, you know, some of the things you mentioned, maybe school specific, you know, morning duty, that kind of thing, where obviously in a situation like that, you're very limited in how you can control your time if your time is already committed to supervision. But for the most part, things like delegation, prioritization, asking for help, um, self-care, uh, isolation, these are just some some concepts that are popping in my mind as a as, as extractions, if you will, of what you said before. So yes, I was going to ask you anyway, since I know you, and I certainly do as well, on, don't only focus your leadership training on school leaders. So you talk to general audiences as well. And Absolutely. so do I. Yeah. And so because of that, I would like you to make the argument that I've made before in different contexts, including on my website and posts and things like this, that leadership is leadership. And it really, at its core, doesn't matter if you're leading a school or you're leading a corporation, because the elements of leadership, for the most part, are more the transferable soft skills than they are the hard technical skills. Absolutely. And I'd be curious to get your take on that. Yeah, matter of fact, yeah, you know, people talk about the hard skills and soft skills. And 
leaders have to be able to step up to the plate and do some wonderful things. And that's called leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. What we have to understand is what we do, and I hope I answered this question correctly. What we do um, on a daily basis, we have to make deposits. In other words, add value to those around. And there are some people on your staff who will add value back to you and you appreciate them. But more, more so than that, and this is the biggest piece, and I hope I answered this question correctly, it's your partnership with the, your, your support team, the one you report to as far as a school leader, uh, as, a, as, as, um, as you're going, because sometimes we get a lot of pressure from our direct supervisors and the higher ups to do more, do more, do more. And um, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, so I was I was hoping you would take the you would take the um, connection to the broader field of of leadership. Meaning to say, if somebody here is listening to our conversation and they're not a school leader, they have nothing to do with schools. Maybe they've gotcha. got some okay. kids in school and all of that. So you know, yes, th- there's still some interest. I think people still want to know what's going on in schools and the challenges that principals and teachers face, and all that is great. But because this is a broader leadership podcast and conversation. Gotcha. I want everybody to be able to say, well, what's in it for me, right? Well, how, how yeah. could I stand to gain by listening to this very articulate gentleman who spent all of his career outside of the military in a school? And so my question was, how can you, can you make the argument? And do, yes, you, feel it's a, do you feel it's a valid argument? You might push back. You might say, I don't, I don't agree with that. And of course there are nuances of difference, but my, my main question was, do you agree? And if you do, can you elaborate on the fact that leadership at its core is leadership, regardless of circumstance or situation. And therefore, to say that even though you may have come from a background of school leadership, you have what to say to people in all areas of life and all types of business and organizational models. Yeah, I I strongly agree with you. Leadership is leadership. And and I said earlier, uh, everything rises and falls on the leader, whether you're in in the field of uh, dynamics, you're working on an aircraft, you're working on a Fortune 500 or 100, uh, you're a sole proprietor. Uh, Leadership is influence. And I don't care. It's it's nothing more, nothing less. And what I want the listeners to understand, everyone has something to offer, even if you're an introvert or an extrovert and and I have a daughter who's an introvert. I have, my wife is an introvert, but she has so much to offer in, in leadership because she is the voice in, in behind a lot of the things I do and her recommendation and her observation. Everyone can lead and be influential to someone else. And so when you are in the field of technology, you're in the field of business and you work on Wall Street or wherever you may work, I want you to understand that you have something to offer to uh, someone else that can always make their life better. We can always add words of wisdom and words of encouragement. You can always look at a solution and give some 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 sort of um, perspective on it to make it better. Why? Because you are an intelligent person, and if you have the uh, the, the skill set to say, you know what, I can do this on a higher level, and I strongly recommend it. I strongly recommend it. Whether you're 21 years old, you're 20, <clears throat> 71 or 81, it doesn't matter. Leadership is leadership. And you definitely so can let, make it. So let me ask you this. I mean, I'd love to go the introvert extrovert route. Uh, I have done that in the past in this, okay. in this podcast. And I actually mentioned it yesterday in one of my presentations about, you know, different students, different modalities, the way that they process and whatnot. And sometimes we need to mix things up in the classroom in order to meet the needs of our introverted students. Yes, sir. But Coming back to the main thesis, if you will, of leadership, 
um, as you were discussing it. Um, leaders ultimately are about influence and making change, like you indicated. And so yes, I'm going to ask a little bit of a pointed question. I wouldn't call it political, but certainly something you've been in the field for a long time, specifically in public education. I have never um, worked extensively in public education. I've delivered some presentations and whatnot, but not worked extensively in that arena. And I yes. never attended a public school. But I'm curious, from your perspective, number one, are our public schools failing? because they hear a lot about how the public schools are not doing as well as people would like. And question number two, and you could say, you don't have to be yes or no, you could, you could hedge your, your response there. But regardless, what do you see as the main necessary work for okay. public schools, whether you think they're failing or not, certainly there's room for improvement. I think all of us could agree on yeah, that absolutely. point. I agree where, where, if you were sitting with, with it, you know, all the leaders of public schools in, throughout the United States and maybe beyond, and you were trying to give them one, two, three areas to focus on more than anything else, where would you, where would you guide them? Yeah, one of the things is consistency. Um, we, one of our big speakers of the world, renowned, often say success leads clues. Uh, I, I'm in, in the state of Florida, and for the, the past nine or 10 years, we've often have changed the assessment um, equation and how do you generate school grades and how do you measure success based on schools? And we keep changing that and, and we keep moving the goalposts. So the number one thing I would tell them is uh, set the standard and leave it alone because every time they change, we have to make adjustments either with textbooks, uh, with new standards, with new operation, with new teaching strategies, bringing in consultants. We spent all this money and then the next year, boom, it doesn't work. So consistency, when we look at what is the measure of proficiency and how do you measure success in the classroom, in the school, in the district, in the state. So that's one thing, let's have one voice and let's stick to what we put in place because some changes, it's gonna take three to five years, especially if you're in a high, uh, high poverty, high needs um, urban school. Change comes longer. It takes longer to make changes, something systemic. And then the next thing, um, funding for our teachers. We are not failing. We just have to, we, we, we keep going by different measurement goals. And there are a lot of teachers that I've worked with who are just simply phenomenal. Uh, and I can say this as an administrator, because I faced this when I was a leader in the, in the military. Uh, if you're not working out, it is so difficult. And I'm just saying this from my heart. It's so difficult to weed out those teachers who are no longer have the passion or desire to work. And it's just employees. You could be in the cafeteria, custodian, anyone. It doesn't have to be just teachers. And even administrators. There are some just riding out their time, and we call it you know, the road method is ROAD, retired on active duty. And those are people just buying time and just sitting around and just, they're not trying to make a difference. They're just trying to, and, and, and living from paycheck to paycheck. And who's affected? The student. And the third thing we would look at is to, to have a voice. We need some people in leadership position uh, to have a voice for educators. So many people have their own opinion, but when things start happening in the ship, is not necessarily favorable for the school, but more politically favor, you know, uh, this is one of my strategic points. We're gonna make all schools do this without have, hearing from the masses. And so just have some of your, your, your sit and chats, learning sec uh, uh, sessions where you just sit down with us 
and listen to what we have to tell you. And then we don't have a problem helping to formulate a strategic plan on how to make it happen. So money, you can give us all the money in the world, we would still come out with the same result. But we wanna know that we are valued as educators, whether you uh, parochial, private school, public. We wanna know if you're gonna make changes for us, do what you're asking us to do with our teachers. We have to sit and talk with our teachers. We want you to come and sit with us and say, if we are going to be measured by this, at least let's have a voice in how we're going to be measured and 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 what are the new standards and just leave it alone that's what i say just leave it alone very powerful so you're now on the other side of things i know you're not really in full full retirement but you're active in other ways and i hope that that act uh, that activity continues to add tremendous value and i'm sure it will um but as somebody who has just crossed a threshold of a significant birthday himself uh, recently turning 50. So the I, the concept of retirement is not way out um, in the distance as it once was. So I'm curious to know, is retirement all that it's cracked up to be? And I get a check to stay out of the way, man. That's exactly what retirement is. But I love it because it gives me the opportunity to continue to lead. And it's not only my local support of principals, administrators, and teachers and students, but now I'm taking this on a global scale where you know I've, I've done some work with some of the leadership uh, in the state of Alabama and principals in Texas and in a school district of St. Louis, Missouri. And so the word's getting out and my book is just, you know, going in homes and schools where I thought I would never be able to go, but they're taking uh, my written word and, and I truly appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Well, I hope that you actually get some downtime with this retirement too, because it sounds like you're busier than ever. Well, no, it's downtime because uh, I'm only leaving like three or four times and I really set my schedule, which is the great thing. Uh, my no, I can say no very easily. No one can persuade me to do anything I don't want to do. But the, uh, but the one thing I will not do is get back into a 40 to 60, 70 hour week just trying to chase money. And, that, and I'm not about chasing money. I'm very content where I am. Uh, I've been uh, blessed with a lot of things in my life. I don't have any debt other than my home. So I, I'm, I'm content. So what I do now is really just go out to share some knowledge and add value to people. And if no one can say afford, you know, we can do the Zoom like we're doing now, but I just really want to, that's part of my legacy is just getting the word out and seeing what exactly can I offer to those who are struggling. Because when I retired, there was a whole host of uh, uh, school leaders out there struggling, 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 struggling. And my heart goes out to them. And I just want to reach out to them and just give them a hug and let them know I'm here. Just call me and let's let's walk you through some things and talk you off the ledge because we okay, need fair enough. In, we need great leaders in great school. I was going to ask you my wrap up question for this segment. But since you referenced legacy, let's stay there for just a moment. Yes, sir. You know, it's a, it's an often used term. Um, I often wonder if people really know what they mean when they say it and practically what that means for them. What does it mean to you? And when you talk about leaving a legacy, what is that about? And, and if you feel comfortable sharing, what, what actually is it? You know, legacy is, it's, to me, is the impact uh, that, that's, that I've left in, within the heart of others, not necessarily a statue or a building or something that's you know my big picture in the hallway. But how have I impacted or influenced someone? And, and when I say that, because... When I work with other leaders, my job is to add value to leaders who will in turn add value to other leaders or teachers or students. 
And so Dr. Epps, I'm gone from the school building, but those that I've worked with and coached and mentored over the past 20 years, I just hope and pray that they have the same mindset that take care of the children, they'll take care of the teacher. Take care of the teacher, they'll take care of the students. And so take care of those you lead and, and be kind to people and say some words of sincerity because we never know what their, how their evening went. What you can know, uh, one thing is how to spread a smile. You can share a smile simply and that is your calling card to the world. And so that's my that's the legacy that I want to leave people that we, we can have goals, but until you touch the heart of those around you and they really know you care about them, um, that's, that's the most important piece to me. Yeah, I'm gonna make one comment before I ask you that last question. And what I'm noticing, especially as I'm, I guess you'd say advancing in years a little bit and maybe reprioritizing on some level that for many years, I would say probably from our early 20s, certainly mid 20s, all the way through 30s, maybe 40s, until minimally a person reaches what we might call midlife, which is sort of a, a nebulous time frame, that we spend a lot of time and energy on career advancement. Absolutely. And so we're very, very focused on the next position, the next opportunity, the next, you know, inflated paycheck or whatever it might be. But we oftentimes, as a result of that, I think, lose sight of maybe the more eternal values, things like family, community, impact, et cetera. And then when we have all of our toys and gadgets, or even if we don't, we come to this realization of, hey, I've been chasing this shiny you know, object for a long time now, and I've been neglecting, whether it's my health, my career, my, my relationships, et cetera. And I think that it's important especially for the younger listeners um, of this podcast to be, to be mindful of the fact that legacy isn't something you should just sort of come to at a much later phase. It should be something you work on your entire life, right? Uh, Stephen Covey talks about um, um, begin with the end in mind. And, you know, in Jewish tradition, we have similar concepts, certainly, and I'm sure in other faiths as well, that you don't want to live your life without purpose, without direction. If at the end of the day, the money will not come with you, but it's the impact that will that will stick around. How can you generate that? What does it mean for you? Everybody's going to be different, but what, but but don't ignore it. Don't just sort of wait for a later day that you'll start to revisit it. See if there are ways that you can kind of build that all the way through because it's Absolutely. an opportunity you still have in the present. And so I'm going to transition from a very lofty concept called legacy to something maybe more practical and maybe even messy called mistakes. And I ask everybody to answer this question. What is the biggest mistake, Elvis, that you've ever made, and how did you grow from it? I um, the the toughest transition as I transition. I know your book is on this. When I transitioned from the military to work in what we call civilian world, going to the school, the biggest mistake I had was really I don't want to say chewing people out, but really just going at them. To, I would correct publicly in, in the way we were doing the military, not understanding that that is not the way we do it. Um, outside the military. Military, you may not even be in my unit, but I can yell at you and tell you to stand straight and look at me while I'm talking. So the, the, the toughest mistake I did when I was an assistant principal, brand new assistant principal, and I was doing my introduction and I remember my principal said, you know what, Elvis, when you stand up, you got to let the teachers know. I'm, I'm a brand new assistant principal. And this is Teachers are pre-planning week. It's their first day back. And we have the meeting with the principal. He's going to introduce me as the new assistant. 
And I said, you know what, I'm here. And he said, make sure you tell them if they don't want to work, then this is not the place to be. So I stood up and I did that. And a teacher came to my office, an older lady. She came and she said, uh, thank you and welcome to the school. But the comments you made uh, were hurtful. I said, I'm so sorry. What, what did I say? Well, you told us if we don't want to work, we, I have boxes for you. I will help you pack if you don't want to work. I am following my, my leaders. But this is, she came to my office. She was the only one that came to my office to let me know within 30 minutes after we broke and everybody was going to their rooms. So that was a mistake I made. And that was the communication piece. And, nice. and, I, and, I, and I thank her for coming to see me. So I learned. I'm, I'm, yeah. learned. I'm guilty as charged as well. Uh, but there's no time for me to, to, to bear my soul on all of the mistakes I've made. So I, I get to ask my guests their mistakes and I don't have to share mine. Isn't that nice? Anyway, uh, we're not in transition. It's going to be in the book. Okay. So we got to get a copy. Uh, we're going to transition to rapid fire, short and yes, sweet sir. on these responses. Number one, the most unusual reason the student was ever sent to your office. Uh, they would not pay attention. That's it. That was it. Unusual. I'm like, really? <laughs> right. Not paying. Oh, you're right. Not paying attention. They said to your office. Yeah. Oh, and then most happen. recently, if a kid cough, go, go to the office. I think you have COVID. How do you know that from this cough? <laughs> so most of you, I'm like, really? So two to three places you really want to visit for the first time. Hong Kong, Sydney, Australia, and in Japan, mm, Hawaii. I think you'll be on a plane for a while for all of those. Okay, the next one, shower, morning, or evening? Evening. Evening, okay. Your best Elvis impersonation? Don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, I figured, you know, it's 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 a name that is, you know, it just has a certain association. So I figured at some point you might pick one up. All right, finally, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done. Think, think about your day before you get started, plan out what you can do. And, and, and I believe in the three Ds, either you do it, you delegate it, or you dump it. So you got to nice. follow the 3D, just like your 3D glasses. You do it, you delegate it, or you dump it. Got it. And I guarantee okay, I like you will one. get through your day uh, very smooth. And, and, and I learned to do a lot of delegating and dumping uh, uh -huh. as, you as you develop leadership capacity in your organization. They want right. to grow because they want to replace you one day. And since yep. you're excited about their growth and development, you give them opportunity to rise and shine. So they look forward to those opportunities. Okay. So let Lead to Succeed Nation know, Elvis, where they can reach you, how they can connect with you, and more importantly, benefit from all that you have to offer. I'm excited. And thank you for this opportunity there, Dr. Hoff. And you can reach me at Elvis Epps Speaks. That's E-L-V-I-S-E-P-P-S. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. That is my website. And you can find my email address, which is ElvisFSpeaks at gmail.com. You can find me there. And if you are interested in leadership, you know, my new book, uh, you can locate it on Amazon. And that is New Principle, No Problem, How to Lead a Winning Culture Without Losing Your Mind. And I wrote okay. that as if I was writing to a younger me. So very easy to find. And I appreciate it. And thank you for this honor. I'm excited. Oh, sure. It's a pleasure. And and I'm, we're going to get the uh, all those links up on the show notes as well. Okay. So yes. the last the last request I have, again, something I ask all my guests is to please leave us with one final life lesson. Be kind to yourself so you can be, learn to be kind to others. 
You cannot pour from an empty cup, but you can take care of you so you can take care of those around you and your legacy character um, will be known as a person who really cared. You led with your heart instead of with your fist. Love it. Okay. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while and you did not under deliver in any way, shape or form. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a real pleasure. Um, and I am very excited to get this out soon to um, my audience so that everybody can benefit from your wisdom, your insights, and let's keep the conversation going. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, man. You're the best. I appreciate Bye-bye it. Just being in your circle. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 